0: On today's episode, Duncan Keith and the Edmonton Oilers were swept out of the Stanley Cup playoffs by the Colorado Avalanche last night. Bruce Cassidy also joins the list of potential Blackhawks coaches for next season after getting fired by the Boston Bruins yesterday. And then to wrap things up will be Blackhawks forward Kirby Dock's 2021-2022 season recap. All that and plenty more right here on Lockdown Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Tuesday, June 7th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And if you're listening to the audio version of today's episode and you like what you're hearing, then please go and show some support first by following the podcast, which will only take a quick couple of seconds. Literally just a quick click of the button will help me out tremendously. Be sure to go and leave the show five stars if you like what you're hearing today as well. And if you're tuning in through Apple Podcasts or through Spotify, and feel free to go and leave me a review. I always greatly appreciate getting some feedback from my tremendous listeners out there. And best of all, it's 100% for free wherever you may be listening to your podcasts, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. It's all 100% for free. And if you go and follow the show right now, then you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And if you're not already watching the video version of today's episode, then be sure to go and check out Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. Because each and every episode, folks, moving forward through the rest of the summer into training camp later on this fall is going to have a video version as well. So if you haven't done so yet, please go and subscribe to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. I would greatly appreciate it, folks. It only takes a quick couple of seconds and I'm really trying to keep boosting those numbers up. Also, go and smash the like button for me down below and comment as to what grade you think Blackhawks youngster Kirby Doc deserves for his performance this season. And last, also be sure to go and ring the bell, go and turn on those push notifications. That way you can be notified when the episode gets uploaded to YouTube each and every day. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. As always, thank you all for joining me on another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks and for making the show your first listen to start off your day. And to open things up on the show this afternoon, I wanted to begin with the latest out of the Stanley Cup playoffs with Duncan Keith and the Edmonton Oilers getting swept by the Colorado Avalanche last night, falling in overtime with a game winner from Arturi Lekkinen, the same man that scored the overtime winner to put the Montreal Canadiens in the Stanley Cup last year, funny enough. Uh, And the Oilers, you know, us Blackhawks fans were rooting for him. We got some conditions on a future draft pick with Duncan Keith, Uh, the trade that happened last summer, the Blackhawks hoping to get back into the second round. That unfortunately isn't going to be happening after the Oilers got knocked out last night. I'll have more on that coming up in just a minute. But for Edmonton, I want to give them credit because going into that game seven against the Los Angeles Kings in the first round, I mean, I think a lot of us fans watching, you know, from an outsider perspective, just fans of the NHL as a whole, felt like if the Oilers didn't win that game seven against LA, that it might have been the end of the Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl era together with the Oilers like if they lost that playoff series didn't advance on there would have been some questions and some difficult um, moves probably to make because if they didn't you know if they didn't put together a run like they did I feel like a lot of people in the organization would have felt like they had to do something drastic because it simply wasn't working with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on the same team but They pick up a big win there. They obviously dominated the Calgary Flames to get to the Western Conference Final. They put up a pretty good fight here against the Avalanche uh, and, you know, did about as well as you can expect, I think, against a a really good Avs team, but, you know, ultimately just ended up coming up short. It also didn't help that Leon Dreisaitl, while he was still playing amazing, dude was out there playing on one leg. I mean, shows you the talent that he has. He was Ridiculous, and still regularly putting up not even just a point per game, like two or three points per game, while barely being able to skate out there. So kudos to Leon Drysidle for toughing his way through it. The Oilers, like I said, they put up uh, they put up a fight, but Colorado Avalanche are just on a completely different level, folks. They are an absolute wagon, top to bottom. They're flooded with speed, flooded with skill. They got a bunch of sick defensemen. Um, and even with, you know, Darcy Kemper being out, I'm not sure exactly what the update is on him, but you know, that they still showed no signs of slowing down. It was all gas, no breaks for that team. And they're now 12 and two in the Stanley cup playoffs and are on their way to the Stanley cup final, where they will be taking on either the New York Rangers or the Tampa Bay lightning. And coming into this round, I did predict by the way, a little two to my own horn. Um that the Avs, I had the Avs beating the Oilers in five games. I just thought they were, again, on a completely different level than Edmonton was. uh, And I kind of had a feeling they were going to take it to them. Um, But going back to the start of the postseason, I've talked about this a few times on the show, the Tampa Bay Lightning were my pick to win the Stanley Cup once again for the three-peat. And I have them beating the Rangers in six games here in this series. We're obviously going to have to wait and see if that happens. There's game four of that series coming up later tonight. Um, but even if the lightning do find a way to come back and defeat the Rangers, even though they're the back-to-back Stanley cup champs, I don't know if I feel all that confident in them, uh, defeating the Colorado avalanche. Cause that's how good this Avs team has looked throughout the postseason. I mean, Nathan McKinnon is a man on the mission. I know it's going to suck being without Nazem Kadri for the remainder of the playoffs, but they still have a ton of depth up and down that lineup. Like, I think the Avs, I just have a hard time picturing anyone beating the Avalanche four times in seven games, even the back-to-back Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. Like, I wish I could change my pick. I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm still going to have the Lightning coming away with the Cup, but I would not be surprised. I feel like a lot of us feel like Colorado is on their way to hoisting the Stanley Cup right now. Um, It should be really interesting to see who's going to come out of The Eastern Conference, whether it's going to be the Rangers or the Lightning. But honestly, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those situations where I feel like if the Lightning do win the series, it's going to be a pretty good fight. But if the Rangers win, and I don't mean this disrespectfully to the Rangers, I mean, they've been tremendous since falling behind three to one to the Pittsburgh Penguins in the opening round, and they've showed great resiliency. They have a great record against the Lightning in the regular season and in these playoffs so far. But I feel like if the Rangers win, I kind of have a feeling the Avs are going to be taking it to them like they just did to the Oilers or uh, to the Nashville Predators in the first round. I feel like if the Rangers advance to the Stanley Cup final, it could be another uh, four or five game quick series in favor of Colorado. But that's just my opinion. But anyways, with the Oilers getting knocked out of the Stanley Cup playoffs, of course, the Blackhawks, they were hoping that the Oilers were going to be able to get the job done. They did not. and now. Uh, they will officially receive a third-round pick from Edmonton as part of the Duncan Keith trade from last summer. Would have been nice, though, to have that additional second-round pick. Three three picks in the second round would have had the Blackhawks sitting pretty. Um, but now that Edmonton has been knocked out, the Hawks know exactly where they're going to be sitting heading into the 2022 NHL draft coming up later this summer. Uh, they don't have any picks in the first round, which really does suck. Thanks for nothing, Minnesota. Um, but they do have five picks within the second and third rounds. They got two in the second. One is going to come at 38. The other is going to come at number 57. And then those three picks in the third are going to come at 81, 90, and 94. Interestingly enough, none of those third round picks that the Hawks have are their own. They've acquired those from other teams via trade in the past couple of seasons. I believe it was. Uh, Edmonton, obviously, is part of the Duncan Keith and Caleb Jones swap. Vegas, which if I'm correct, I believe is from the Robin Leonard deal a few years back. And then one's from Toronto. But I think the Blackhawks got that pick from Calgary as part of the Nikita Zadorov trade. So those are how the Hawks accumulated those three third round picks that they have this season. Uh, But after those five picks in the second and third rounds, the Hawks don't have a selection in the fourth or the fifth, but they do have two in the sixth. And then they wrap things up with one in the seventh. So Barring any more trades in the next few weeks, it looks like the Blackhawks are going to have eight selections in the upcoming 2022 NHL draft later on this summer. All right, there is a quick update out of the Stanley Cup playoffs with Duncan Keith and the Edmonton Oilers getting knocked out to the hands of the Colorado Avalanche. Coming up in just a moment, I will get into Bruce Cassidy getting fired by the Boston Bruins yesterday. But first, I need to talk to you all about Bill Barr which is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Summer is coming, and you're going to need some food for being on the go. Well, Built Bars are the perfect snack for you to take everywhere you go. Throw them into your bags, throw them into your kids' backpacks, and make sure that everyone has a bar to be fueled for their summer adventures. And the best part about Bilt Bar is that they're both delicious and healthy, so there's no more sacrificing delicious food for health, because with Bilt Bar, you can have both. You can get the best of both worlds. And have you tried Bilt Bar Puffs yet? Because if not, then you're seriously missing out on one of the best tasting protein bars on the market with flavors like banana cream pie, cinnamon churro, and birthday cake, which I just got a huge package of from Bilt Bar. I really appreciate it from the folks over at Bilt Bar. Uh, and they're seriously, it's like a marshmallow with sprinkles, with a sprinkled uh, coating and chocolate. I mean, it's amazing. I, I Sometimes I have too. And when you're eating them, it actually does not feel like you're having a protein bar. Like It seriously feels like you're just having a candy bar or some sort of snack bar. Like it, It's hard to believe that these things are actually good for you, but they are. They're all 140 calories or less and have 17 grams or more of protein. So head on over to Built.com right now and use the promo code on to get 15% off your next order. That's BuiltBar, Built.com, excuse me, just Built.com with the exclusive promo code LOCKED15, that's one word, LOCKED in all caps, followed by the number 15 to get 15% off your next Built Bar order. All right, we're back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. Before I get into segment two, I have a quick favor to ask of you all. So recently, the Lockdown Podcast Network has put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners like you and to make your favorite Lockdown podcast even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and what you don't like about the Lockdown Podcast Network. So you just got to go to LockdownPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long, and everyone that completes this survey, plus if you go and leave my show a review with a comment and add your name, that way I can contact you, you'll qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. So please go and take this quick survey. Like I said, it only takes two seconds. Also, go and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Five stars would be pretty cool. I'd appreciate it. Make sure to leave your name in the comment box, and you'll have a chance to win one of 10 $100, $100 gift cards for Ticketmaster. Thank you all for your help. Go take the survey. Go leave me a review. It's a free $100. Why not take the chance? All right, enough of that. Getting into segment two now, folks. I had to be sure to talk for a moment about Bruce Cassidy being the latest coach to hit the free agent market after getting fired by the Boston Bruins yesterday. And kind of a surprising move. And just as a heads up, Blackhawks fans, I am looking to get Ian McLaren, who's the host of Lockdown Bruins, which is one of the biggest Lockdown NHL podcasts. I'm talking with Ian right now, and I'm hoping to get him on the show in the next couple of days to talk about Cassidy getting fired, how Bruins fans feel about that, and whether or not he would even consider coming to Chicago. And, you know, I'm not going to claim that I'm an expert on the Bruins. I know the team, but I don't know things in-depthly. Bruce Cassidy hasn't been my head coach for the last six seasons, so I figured it would be a good idea to go and get a Bruins expert like Ian to jump on the show and to talk about all this good stuff. So keep an eye open for my conversation with Ian coming up in the next couple of days. And also, there have been rumors about the Blackhawks, and Todd Reardon possibly is their next head coach as well. Currently worked as an assistant for the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, and interestingly enough, I'm also going to have Hunter Hodes, the uh, the Lockdown Penguins host. I'm going to have him on the podcast for a chat. Actually, in just about an hour and a half, that's going to be its own separate video. Uh, So good things coming. Fun stuff coming, folks. We got a conversation with Ian about Bruce Cassidy, one with Hunter about Todd Reardon. I'm making sure to keep all of you up to date on the next potential head coach of the Chicago Blackhawks. I don't know if either of those two are truly in the running. Reardon sees to be a little bit more of a likely candidate, but you know, this is what offseason content is all about. It's the slow time of the year. So why not bring in a couple of local experts to those teams and see what they have to think about all of this? But yes, The Boston Bruins yesterday, after getting knocked out of the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs to the Carolina Hurricanes, just a few weeks later, they end up firing Bruce Cassidy, which from an outsider perspective, seems like a little bit of a head scratcher because after six years with the Bruins, six pretty successful years with the Bruins, I I might add, they made the playoffs each and every season under Cassidy, including a trip to the Stanley Cup final back in 19, where. They lost game seven to the rival St. Louis Blues. I still don't forget the Bruins for not winning that game. I was actually wearing a David Pasternak jersey to all the bars. I was still, at that time, I was still attending the University of Missouri, so I'm just surrounded by Blues fans, which is literally my worst nightmare. I was I was out at a bar, and I had a David Pasternak jersey on and Let me tell you, your boy over here was getting absolutely grilled. But it made for good fun until Blues went on to win the Cup. Uh, but anyways... Cassidy, he's got a pretty good resume here. Like I said, the Bruins made the playoffs each and every season that he was the head coach. Uh, And funny enough, actually, when I was doing some research on Cassidy, before he got his start in the Bruins organization, he actually spent eight years coaching the Providence Bruins, which is their AHL affiliate, of course. Uh, But for the two years prior to joining on with the Bruins, Bruce Cassidy was actually the assistant coach for the Chicago Blackhawks when... Uh, Trent Yanni was the man who was still in charge. So he does have a little bit of ties to the Chicago area and to the Blackhawks. Obviously, a lot has changed in the past 16, or what was that? I think he was there from 2006 to 2008. So a lot's changed in the last 14 years. But I just found that kind of funny that I didn't even know that, to be honest. I didn't even know Cassidy was once uh, a member of the Blackhawks organization. Uh, But like I said, I think that resume speaks to itself. and. Throughout his coaching career he's been successful at all levels. The AHL, he was really good in Providence. Uh and he's had two other years of NHL coaching experience before uh replacing Claude Julien with the Bees. Uh he coached the Washington Capitals for a couple of years back in the day. So in total out of his 8 years of NHL head coaching experience, Cassidy's teams have made the playoffs 7 times. They've only missed it once and um more so than that, I feel like not only has his teams been successful, but he's done a really good job recently uh, with keeping the Bruins pretty darn competitive despite going through some changes in terms of their roster. Like We saw Zedane Chara drop down from being the number one. Charlie McAvoy comes right in and is doing a fantastic job. Tori Krug is also another guy who recently left. Uh, there's been a bunch of forwards who have left the team over the years. David Krejci is one who just recently left. Uh, there's been their they they've had their share of departures over the last handful of years, and there actually could be even more coming this summer. With the big one being Patrice Bergeron potentially, uh. But the one thing I have to mention when it comes to Cassidy is you never like it, it seems unlikely given the position that he was just in that he's going to want to sign on through a rebuild. It just It's basically the same situation as Barry Trotz, right? They've been coaching competitive teams for so long. Are they really going to want to come to Chicago and be a part of the rebuild? And that's actually uh, a question that I'm going to ask Ian myself here in the next couple of days. But at the very least, the Blackhawks undoubtedly have to give Bruce Cassidy a phone call. You got to at least see if the dude's interested because the worst thing he could say is no, right? Like, he turns you down he turns you down at least do everything in your power to see if he's interested or see if this is an opportunity that he would like to pursue and i suspect you know knowing Kyle Davidson i suspect him in the front office or if they haven't done it already they're at least planning on doing it here in in the next couple of days um and that's all you can really ask at least see if this is something that he would consider and you know This is starting to become the crucial point for the Blackhawks' coaching search. Like, they're trying to have things figured out in the next month or so, and there's a lot of big-name free-agent coaches out there on the market. So, at the very least, you know, give these veteran coaches a call, see if this was if something, see if this is something they're interested in, and you know, then move on and reevaluate based on their answers. But at the very least, pick up the phone, Kyle, give Bruce Cassidy a ring. It's go time. The Blackhawks are probably, they've been talking about mid-July, so they're probably a month or so away from naming their next head coach. All right, there is a quick breakdown on Bruce Cassidy getting fired by the Boston Bruins yesterday. Coming up in just a minute, I still have to get into Blackhawks forward Kirby Docks 2021-2022 season recap. Welcome back to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Moving on into our third and final segment. I got an itch here on my neck. I don't know what that's from. But Moving into our third and final segment on the show here this afternoon, it's time to get into forward Kirby Doc's 2021-2022 season recap segment. For Doc, obviously, it was um, not the type of season that anyone was hoping for out of him, including himself. and Doc was aware of his struggles. That's a hundred percent sure because I've talked about this a lot over the last six, seven months, but going to practice and watching Kirby doc, like you could just tell how frustrated he was with himself. He, He just didn't seem like he was having a good time. He just seemed pissed. There were no smiles, no laughs. Like it just seemed like the pressure was, was really getting to him and, I think it was even tougher seeing, you know, a guy like Trevor Zegras who got picked after him, just absolutely lighting it up. And, you know, a couple of other youngsters like Matt Boldy goes and finds immediate success with the Minnesota Wild. I feel like those things were also playing a factor into Kirby's frustrations. Like he's seeing all these other youngsters have success around the NHL so far in their young careers. Why isn't he doing the same? And it it just almost seemed like he had the weight of the world on his shoulders. And then also around Christmas time, he deleted his social media. He was done seeing all that stuff because a lot of you Blackhawks fans out there were constantly grilling him for his struggles. Um, And it it was just a a really tough situation. And one thing I will say is like, I, I get the frustration out of all you fans out there. Trust me. I'm frustrated with Kirby too. I'll admit it. It was a bad season. There's no way around it. This was a bad season for Kirby Doc. But the things that some folks say about him, like, are just absolutely mind-blowing to me. And like, there's almost like a hatred for him already. And, you know, I think calling a 21-year-old a bust is never a good idea, especially when this was basically his second NHL season. And honestly, if he had been handled properly, this probably would have been his first year in the NHL. Like, if Stan Bowman wasn't in charge and You know, wasn't so focused on saving his job and keeping fans enticed with the team. Adam Boquist, obviously, he might have still gotten traded. Who knows? But he probably wouldn't have been up in the NHL so fast. Kirby probably would have been down in Rockford for a little bit or had even gone back to uh, the Saskatoon Blades for another year. Like, I think that's one thing that Blackhawks fans really need to keep in their mind. Not only was this basically only Kirby's second year in the NHL, but it probably would have been his first had a competent GM been calling the shots. Like clearly, and I know we saw a lot of flashes from Kirby in that bubble postseason, And, you know, a lot of people were probably thinking he was NHL ready, but especially with the wrist injury and everything that's taken place, like I feel like Blackhawks fans, all you fans out there just need to remain patient with this kid. Like we're not going anywhere in a hurry. It's not like Kirby Doc needs to be good right now in order to boost our chances of being great right now. Like, we're thinking three to five years in the future. Please be patient with Kirby Doc and stop calling a 21-year-old kid a bust. That's just wrong, and it's not smart, and it's not true. Like, you you don't know what he's going to be. Like, I don't know what he's going to be, too, but to assume or um, to kind of... Already have your mind made up on what type of player Kirby Doc is going to be in the future. I think that's just that's just really silly. And I, I just really hope all you fans out there remain patient with the kid because he is still very young into his career. Uh and like I said, I'll be the first to admit the doc season was pretty terrible, but I still have high hopes for him. You know, I, I don't know if he's ever going to be an offensive wizard or if he's gonna be a point per game player or anything like that, but I do think he has the makeup and uh the game if he figures things out a little bit more offensively, that he's going to be a really solid, well-rounded player one day down the road. So while it was a disappointing season uh, for Doc, I just want fans to be careful about, you know, calling him a bust. And I also think you should take this season that he just had with a grain of salt a little bit. But getting into some of Doc's numbers, he played a career-high 70 games this season while also tallying Career best in goals with nine assists with 17 and points with 26. Now, calling them career highs feels a little bit misleading, even though it is true. Um, But this was, like I said, his first full season since being a rookie two years ago. So you would expect him to probably have career highs all across the board. And these numbers aren't very impressive. So, yes, career highs, but still not where you wanted them to be. Uh, So, of got to take that into consideration they're good numbers for kirby in comparison to his past years but they're still not very good numbers for where we'd want him to be at this point uh, also he had 43 penalty minutes this year which kind of jumped out jumped off the page to me a little bit um compared to some of the penalty minutes that he's had uh so far in his short career i feel like they were up a little bit but then i i kind of realized the way that he was being utilized this year, he was in more of a defensive second or third line center role for the most part. That's kind of how Derek King elected to use him. So I do kind of understand a little bit why those penalty numbers would be up. I, I, they definitely need to go down moving forward, but I do get why they'd be a little bit higher than normal, if you will, this season. Um, Doc also. One thing that he, I think he really struggled with this year as well was the power play. And Blackhawks for so long have struggled to find a right-hander who can help out their man advantage that's not named Alex Debrinkett. They tried Doc in the bumper roll, didn't really work out. Same with Tyler Johnson. Ryan Carpenter even got some time in the bumper role when he was still a member of the Blackhawks. Um, it Just none of it worked. And I think that's such a crucial... I've already talked about this with Dylan Strome and Jonathan Taves and their season recaps. By the way, if you haven't tuned into those yet, go back to the last few episodes once today's show wraps up and go and listen to what grades I thought those types of players deserved. I've already done recaps on Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, Alex DeBrinkett, Dylan Strome, Seth Jones, Jake McCabe, Dominic Kubalik. If you're interested to hear what grades I gave any of those players that I just listed off go and check out the YouTube channel. There'll be a list of videos. Just go and click on them. There's a log, a time log, so you can go to that segment in particular and just listen to what grades I felt each of those players deserve. Uh, But one thing that I brought up with Dylan Strom and Jonathan Taves, the power play unit was non-existent other than Alex Debrinkin and Patrick Kane. No one was, and I think it's a little bit different with Doc in the bumper role, but No one else could help those guys out. And it seemed like the power play was just so one-dimensional. Kane up to Jones to debrink They're just playing catch in a triangle, basically. That was the Blackhawks' power play this year. Both Doc, the power play as a whole, and I guess I'll include whoever is in charge of the special teams department in the future for the Blackhawks, they just need to find a way to get more pieces involved on that man advantage. Find a way to open up passing lanes and create scoring opportunities. Different players because if you have four or five weapons out there on the man advantage, that's going to make things a lot more difficult for the opposing penalty killers. Whereas this year in the last couple of seasons, penalty killers on opposing teams know that it's going through Alex Debrinkett or Patrick Kane. So if they shut those two guys down, they can shut down the Blackhawks power play, basically. So I'm really hoping that Doc himself can find a way to help out a little bit more in that bumper role. And whoever is coaching up the special teams units next season, finds a way to get more players involved than just 88 in number 12. Um, Also for Doc, one thing that played a part in his offensive struggles this year was he just, he shot 7.8%. And that's actually his shooting percentage throughout his short career so far in the NHL, 7.8%, which by the way, if you don't know anything about shooting percentages, that is abysmal. It's not good at all. Like Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane were both 0.01% away from shooting a career low percentage. And they were both in the nines. Kirby Doc's at 7.8 for his career. That's an average shooting year for Kirby Doc right now. And I get that he's always been deemed a pass first player, but I thought he'd be able to find the back of the net more frequently than he has so far. So that's definitely something he needs to work on a lot is his shot. I feel like he just, he shoots a lot right in the goaltender's breadbasket. And when he has an opportunity to shoot, he passes. That's something he really does need to figure out, right? Is that shot and being more aggressive with the puck on his stick. Hopefully, he'll be shooting better than 7.8% in the future because, like I said, that's just not even close to being good. 7.8%, it's actually kind of hard to fathom. I get that he's not a sniper, 7.8%. That's like a fourth line type of shooting percentage. Not very good whatsoever. Um, So hopefully Doc will be able to figure that out in the next few years. Um, But that's definitely something that he has to work on undoubtedly. Shooting the puck. And like I said, it's weird because when we want him to shoot, he doesn't. But I get why he's passing it because he's not finding much success. I don't know. His whole offensive game is something he needs to work on, but if he's going to be a a good and crucial offensive player for the Blackhawks moving forward, he's going to have to be finding the back of the net at a better clip than sub-8%. That's just not top six numbers, no way around it. Also, Kirby averaged 18 minutes and three seconds of time on ice this year. As I said, kind of that second-line center role for the most part. Uh, And I feel like that 18 minute mark is probably where he's going to be at next year, unless he takes uh, a massive stride in his development and becomes the top line center for the Chicago Blackhawks. I'm hopeful that would happen, but I feel like being right around 18, 19 minutes is pretty realistic, uh, a pretty realistic expectation for Kirby looking forward. The last, uh, part of Doc's game that I wanted to talk about overall was his defense, which to me is probably the most solid part of his game right now. He's really strong on the back check. He's responsible in transition. Uh, he also forced a career-high 49 takeaways this season, and that was also coming well. Derek King had him playing a lot against the opposing team's top two lines like that's kind of the role that Kirby Doc had was a responsible second or third line defensive center and I thought he handled that that job really well for being you know pretty young and inexperienced and the way that he he still has room to still has a little bit of a ways to go here he he needs to use his size to his advantage a little bit better but I thought that side of his game was definitely the the best part of of it this season. Like he was scrappy. I know he got run over a lot this year too, which he's gonna have to keep his head up a little bit more often. but uh the the way that he takes on the opposing teams, especially at the center position, like you have more responsibility at center than you do on either of the wings, obviously. Um, but for being, like I said, in, in basically his second NHL season. I thought the way that he was able to skate up and down the ice with a lot of um, the opponent's top lines and for the most part was responsible. Like, I thought that was pretty impressive to me. And that side of his game is something that I'm not really worried about. Like, as he gains more and more experience there, he's only going to get better and better. And like I said, that's already something I feel like he's confident in is his defensive abilities. And, well, the offense is definitely going to be harder for him to work on defense. I think he's just going to get better and better with experience. You know, that side of the game is a little bit more experience-based, I feel like. And once he gets a better understanding of tendencies and the spots he needs to be in, that part of his game, I think, is, is only going to continue to grow and grow and grow. So I was pretty happy with Kirby overall on the defensive side of things. His analytics were, you know, they were pretty eh. Not, not great, not bad. He had a 49.3 Corsi 4 percentage. The one part that I will say concerns me is that he was on the ice for 80 goals against at 5-on-5 five five in 70 games this season. And I get that the Blackhawks as a team were terrible defensively right around the bottom of the NHL. But if you go and look at Jonathan Tays' numbers, Taves also played in 70 games for the Blackhawks this season. There was a huge difference in the goals against that five-on-five. So I get that. Like I said, there are still some things that Kirby needs to work on. I do have confidence in his defensive game, and I think it's still pretty good. Um, But there is another level that he can take it to. And as I said, I think that's only going to happen through experience and through understanding and reps. You know, that's kind of what's driving all that stuff. So defensively, I, I feel pretty confident um, with Kirby Doc, Doc except for one area, folks, and that's at the face-off dot. Because this year, Kirby won just 32.8% of his draws. And I mean, that that has to be, it's not the worst in the NHL. It's bottom five, 100%. And I think the most frustrating part about it too is, you know he's practicing day in and day out with a guy like Jonathan Taves, one of the goats at the face-off dot. And he's still doesn't appear to have figured it out in the slightest. So that is a little bit concerning, undoubtedly. And even the Blackhawks and Derrick King tried him out on the wing a couple of games towards the stretch of the season. I'm sure Doc probably feels more comfortable at the center position, which is where he's played throughout his career for the most part. But if he wants to stick to being a center iceman, he's going to have to make improvements in that area. There's no other way around it. So all in all, Taking everything into consideration, folks, I thought about this one for a long time because I didn't want to be too harsh on Kirby because as I said, this probably should have been his rookie year in the NHL. But when you go and look at the numbers, there's no way around it. He just he didn't take the leaps that any of us were hoping for, including himself. And I'm still high on Kirby, still have high hopes for him. And I think he can be a, a really solid, well rounded player for the Blackhawks one day down the road. And I I also think it's ridiculous that people are calling him a bust at 21 years old, but it was still a disappointing year. And the reason why we hold hold him to those high standards, too, because we've seen flashes of it in the bubble. And, you know, I I know he's undergone wrist surgery since then, and it could be playing a part maybe in his struggles. I don't know, but it's been tough for Kirby, and I got to judge him fairly, and the year was bad. There's no way around it. So I'm going to give Blackhawks forward uh, Kirby Dock a C- for his performance this season. But like I said, stop calling him a bust. He's only 21 years old. Have some patience because that's what it's going to take to be a Blackhawks fan through these next couple of years. And have some belief that Kirby Dock is going to be able to turn it around, at least root for him. Don't have this hatred already or this opinion formed on him because of what you've seen through his first two NHL seasons on really bad teams. I think that's unfair. But at the same time, I, there's no way around it. This was a bad year out of Kirby Doc. Didn't take the strides that we were hoping for. So for that reason, I'm going to give him a C- minus for his performance this season. All right, folks, I think that is going to wrap up June today, <laughs> Tuesday, June 7th episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Thank you all again for tuning into the show. And please be sure to go and follow Lockdown Blackhawks wherever you get your podcasts or subscribe to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube, and you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, be sure to go and check out Lockdown NHL for all the latest news, odds, and info out of the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's free and available on all platforms, so be sure to go and check out Lockdown NHL right now wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And for any questions at all regarding anything related to the show or to the Blackhawks, feel free to email lockdownblackhawks at gmail.com. You could also hit me up on any one of my Twitter accounts, or you could call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow's episode, thanks again for tuning into the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.